In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, it's another mailbag edition of the Retirement Pathfinder podcast alongside Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. I am Ben George, and we're going to get to your questions today on the show. Uh, we appreciate everybody that sent them in to us, and always we encourage you to visit us online at pathfinderwealth.com to send them in. I know, Barbara and Phil, you, you both are always very grateful for all the feedback and all the questions we, we receive. Oh, we are, yes. Yes, and, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ben. I want to just thank all of our listeners for their loyalty and their questions and all their comments. And we do appreciate suggestions for topics too. So if you're trying to reach a big decision or you just have a simple question, send it in. If we can't cover it on a podcast, Phil or I would be happy to reach out to you. Yeah, I think that's what's fun is uh, we get to cover a lot of different topics when this happens. So that's we'll be looking forward to that on the show. But I know what you two are looking forward to is being back live and in person with people again, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Next week. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, we are. So we'll, we'll be teaching, Phil and I will both be teaching a live class. Uh, that'll be on May 24th and May 26th at the NIU campus here in Rockford. And that'll be at 11 o'clock a.m. Yeah, and that's going to be taxes and retirement, which is really going to be appropriate uh, based on, well, some of the projected uh, changes that will be made, will be made by uh, the uh, current administration. So if you want to get uh, kind of the full insight as far as helping to save taxes, you need to uh, call in and uh, we can get you on the on the attendees list. We'd love to see you. We love haven't had a class, it. Phil, since last September. Yeah, last September. Um, <laughs> it's been long in coming. We've done a few uh, webinars along the way, which have been pretty effective, but uh, nothing like seeing people eyeball to eyeball. Yep. And then the interactions. Nice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be nice, too, with the CDC saying, hey, if you've been vaccinated, go ahead and uh, take the mask off and, and get out and about. I'm, I'm hoping you'll see some faces this, this trip out, too, so that'll be good. It'll be yeah. a lot of fun. Um, what's the best way to get signed up for your classes that you teach online, pathfinderwealth.com, but also to call you guys? Is that the best way? Yep, just give us a call. That number, 815-399-9806. And again, pathfinderwealth.com is the website. You can contact them through the website there. The phone number is there, too. If you don't have a pen around you to write it down, you'll find it on the website as well. All right, let's jump into a little bit of the mailbag here. We had a number of questions come in. I've sorted through them a little bit, pulled uh, four that I think are really good today and cover a bunch of different topics. So hopefully, uh, depending on where you are in financial planning or stage your your career or retirement, hopefully you'll find something out of this show that'll benefit you. Um, so let's start off with Hank. He writes in and says, I've heard that you need to have between 15 and 20 times your annual salary and savings to be able to retire comfortably. Do you think that's accurate? Well, I'm going to key in on the last part of his question here. Do you think that's accurate? And so in a one word answer, Hank, no. So <laughs> that's pretty, pretty uh, upfront. Uh, allow me to explain this by way of an analogy. You know, I have a friend who really enjoys going to the track and betting on the ponies. I asked him uh, what method or criteria he uses to win. You know, so win is that the horse comes in first. So Ben, I know you go to the track all the time, so you know this information, right? All the time, yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the second, the second position is what they call place, which means that his horse may come in either the first or the second position, two positions, or show, which means that uh, the horse can come in any one of the top three positions. 
So I asked him, out of, out of all these horses running, how do you know which ones to pick? There's probably uh, 10 to 15 horses per, uh, uh, per run. And his response is, you know, if you don't know anything about the pony or the trainer or the jockey, go with the trackman's recommendation. What's the trackman's recommendation? Well, that's the best guesses of those experts that are at the house. Okay, so the ones that are in in the house there. Mm -hmm. So not a very scientific method, but occasionally he will win using the rules of thumb method. But when it comes to planning for retirement, the worst thing Hank or anyone else should use is to go by either what we call popular notion or the rule of thumb method. So after all, if you think about it, how many of us would uh, have confidence flying in a commercial jet built by a team of engineers using approximation math? <laughs> yeah, hey, we think that's what uh, we can, you know, build this thing on is approximation math. You know, I want the guy, Barb, I want the guy who graduated at the top of his math class, don't you? Yeah, we want, we want plan? something more precise, don't we? You betcha. And so planning for retirement is no different. And an unwary public is constantly being bombarded by financial advertisers and the media making promises that they cannot, that cannot be scientifically or academically verified. You know, now here's an academic process that should be used that makes more sense than trying to, uh, you know, get the highest returns out there. That's, that's quite often what people want to know. What are your returns? Well, you know, we, we're not going to get the highest. We're not going to get the lowest, but you won't find somebody that will consistently do that or discovering the next uh, financial guru like the Warren Buffetts of the world out there, right? So first of all, you start with the amount of income you will need during your retirement years based upon today's dollars. Okay. So how much do you budget for? How much do you think you're going to need in retirement? Well, you know, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty easy to do that. You know, you just basically have to look at your spending pattern. Mm -hmm. Number two, plug in historic inflation that will require the investor to continually increase both the contribution being made to a plan to get to the end result or the amount of withdrawal that's going to be post-retirement. So you need to plug into it inflation factors. And by the way, we're always going to have inflation always had, have had inflation. It's kind of the boogeyman that's cropped up here recently, Barb. I think it's about 4%. I think it was yeah, what the- Yeah, it's just recent. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been very blessed to have very low inflation the last few years, but it's here. So far, so good. You know, so you plug into it, inflation. Number three, based upon your family history, determine your life expectancy. So there are charts published by the government. Who knows? I mean, we don't, you know, we don't know when we're going to die, uh, Ben, but I'm, I'm going to guarantee you that the government knows, yes. you know, so, <laughs> uh, but they've got charts to help you do that. So using all that data, we can come up with a basic lump sum dollar amount that will produce the income needed. So whether it's 500,000 or a million, a million and a half, we need to come up with that lump sum dollar. So now comes the hard part. You say, well, gosh, wasn't that the hard part earlier? No, the hard part comes knowing that you have to take this number to find out how much money you need to contribute to get it. So if it's a million dollars, how much money do you have to put away over the years? And now how much will that particular portfolio need to consistently provide during the retirement years? So there are portfolios that have already been created by uh, astute academics at some of the best business schools in the country. They've been engineered, they're solid, They've been created and uh, they've been proven. And so those are the particular portfolios that we recommend to help support this plan. The bottom line is this to Hank. Hank, use the rule of thumb idea at the track. That's, <laughs> that's where it's going to work for you. But hire a professional to help you with the math. 
Well, you know, that, that's true. Sometimes, Phil, I think you and I sound like a, a clone of each other because we do say the same things, which, of course, it makes sense, I suppose. Great minds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the first things I thought of with Hank is his age. You know, is he asking this question in his 30s and 40s, and which is good mm. to ask now, mm-hmm. and he's he's thinking of retirement? Or is he asking this question, and, and he's in his 50s, maybe, you know, close to retirement? Because if you're close to retirement, then you need to see someone with your, if you're within five to 10 years of retirement, you need to see a retirement planning specialist. Yes, absolutely. I, I, you know, I thought about a client of mine that uh, she came to me about two years ago and she's a high income earner, but she hasn't saved much for retirement. And when she shared with me how much she wanted or when she wanted to retire, I shared with her how much she had to save between now and then. And she's not quite up to that yet, but um, it's going to postpone her retirement for at least another year or two. So the earlier, the better when you're asking these retirement questions. Yeah, I think she's been very wise to uh, to have uh, consulted with you about that, Barb. In fact, really, the wise people that come to us are the ones that say, I don't know what I don't know. True. And so we're going to find out what we don't know and and uh, try to cover those bases. Yeah. Very good. Thank you for that question. Again, we always appreciate it, Hank. Um, some Hopefully some guidance will help you out there, but always feel free to reach out for more information. All right. Marie is next up on the podcast, says, I wasn't planning to move, but my dream home just came on the market. My current home is paid off, but I'd have to take out a mortgage if I bought this one. I'm retiring in five years. So is it a bad idea for me to have a mortgage? Well, is it a bad idea for Marie to have a mortgage? Well, Barb, you and I have have addressed this question many times. It's come up in times past. Other versions of the same question is, uh, would it be wise to take a home equity loan to do some remodeling? Or should I pay cash for a car or finance it? What about leasing a car? So I congratulate Marie for having the house paid off. Uh, I think that there's some uh, feel of security when that happens. People like that idea. But there are a number of factors that need to be considered to fully answer her question. So as an example, how much has she saved? How much has she put away into 401k plans or IRAs that will produce income? Does she have a pension plan, the old-fashioned pension plan? That's important to know. Will she have consistent income coming in? Does Marie have any kind of debt otherwise? Um, credit cards. Uh, did she, has she made loans to uh, family members that owe her money? Things of that nature. Here's another one. How much will she get for her current home? One of the things about our economy right now is that homes are really at a premium. It's a seller's market out there. Sure. Well, you know, you might get a top dollar for your house, but then you're going to have to go buy one at top dollar again, right? Too. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. So uh, rather than do a full financial plan for Maria on this podcast, uh, I need to ask her to seriously consider one very important question. Now, here it is. Marie, are you okay owing on a mortgage in your retirement years? Right. That's really a very important one. I mean, if this kind of a question will cause you to wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, <laughs> you probably don't need to do it. If Marie says no, then I would respond uh, that she has the answer. If Marie says, yes, I'm okay with, with that debt, yeah, I wouldn't try to talk her out of it, but need to carefully crunch the numbers to see if the math will work. You know, it really does boil down to one thing. Will, will the math work on this? Will it support the, uh, the obligation that she's incurring? You know, I have my own ideas, Barb, about uh, carrying debt and retirement. I don't have any problem with it for a lot of different reasons. But even though I feel this way, I don't wish to persuade folks in this department to be persuaded to, to take on debt. What's your feeling on that? Yeah, I agree. We have met with so many people that are st- just, just steadfast in having their mortgage paid off when they retire. 
and others are looking at refinancing because you know they want to use that money for for other areas and they're mm-hmm, okay with mm-hmm. the, carrying the debt just because it's you know we're at low interest rate environment so it really is a personal thing but when i thought of this marie when you say your dream home it sounds pretty enticing because that sounds like something that you maybe had on your bucket list so uh, one of the things uh, i thought of also is are you keeping your current home or are you renting mm. it out so a paid off mortgage feel like you said is pretty nice to have if you're getting ready to retire and do you really want to start all over again but i would just ask some of the same questions too like uh, what are your retirement assets what do those look like and if a mortgage could actually fit in the picture because the last thing you want to do is be cash flow poor just to have this house. Oh, we had one of our clients that bought a, a condo here recently. She went from a privately held home to a condominium. And after two years being there, she hated it. Hmm. She hated it because it, you know, the walls were paper thin. She heard people stomping around upstairs. You know, so she basically kind of you know, went from a private setting to kind of a public one. Um, and she got out of it. She got away from it. Yeah, I uh, can see yeah, that's, 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 that's kind of funny, that story, because I just met with a client last week, she's moving, and she had asked to, based on her retirement assets, if she, if she could uh, support a mortgage. Now, we went over a couple of options, and the first house that she was looking at, it was not a good idea, and she mm. actually recognized it on her own once we were able to talk it out. So she's going with the, the second option. A lot of great information there. Hopefully that helps you out, Marie. Uh, Next question comes in from Steven. All right, I'll try to keep the details brief. Long story short, I'm the executor of my deceased mother's will, and my sister is currently living in mom's house. I don't want to kick her out, but I'm afraid that I'm going to need the money from the sale of the house to help fund my retirement, which starts in three months. I have about Mm -hmm. 600,000 saved, but the house would bring in another 200,000, which would make a huge difference. How do I figure out if I'm okay with what I have or if it's worth kicking my sister out? <laughs> well, I'll let you guys take that, that kind one. of guidance, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephen, you know, that's a good question. But before there ends up a sibling rivalry, check out your options. So you're very close to retirement. So you'd have a good idea of what your expenses are, plus any social security, any retirement accounts. You said $600,000 that you have. Uh, do you have a pension and so forth? Then you can work with someone like us and then uh, and give us a call. Give us a call for a 15-minute phone call to discuss this. And our phone number is 815-399-9806. But the next question is, what were your mother's intentions for this house? Did she leave it up to you and your sister to decide? And I'm assuming your sister would receive some of the proceeds from the sale of the home. Uh, another question, maybe she can buy you out, although it doesn't sound like that's an option right now. And also, what was your sister planning on doing as far as the house? Was she planning on living in the house forever? Hopefully, your mom specified in the will what to do, and that would put less of a burden on you. If it's okay to sell it, I'm assuming your sister gets half, and then she could at least have some options about where to go. But if we were working with you, Steve, we'd we'd need to know a number of things in order to give you an answer as to whether you have enough just to retire on the $600,000. Some of those things are your expenses, your Social Security, your pension, how old are you, and if you're married. And when we have all of that information, then we can better give you an answer. Yes, it doesn't say whether uh, Stephen really, he hasn't said whether his sister is included as an heir to this particular home either. I mean, it's not really specified. So we don't know. But, uh, you know, this kind of brings up uh, some of the difficulty, Barb, that you and I have experienced with uh, what we call postmortem planning, where the kids come in and, uh, you know, mom and dad have passed, and now they're, they're there to divide up the estate. And it is amazing to see the amount of uh, conflict that goes on between 
siblings, siblings, you know, mm-hmm. brothers, sisters. And, and it's really, it's sad to see it because in, in some cases, I saw one here recently that those differences were never resolved during their lifetime. And right. they went to their graves uh, having bitterness toward one another. Now, now here, it's not always um, the children's fault that that happens. Sometimes the parents aren't very specific about what should happen in the estate. They either have an inadequate drafted uh, estate plan, don't have enough detail in there to say what you know, is going to happen. Uh, kind of on a, on a humorous note, you know, when my grandmother died, of course, uh, on my, my aunt's side of the family, the cousins were left and my dad's side, um, you know, they had a big uh, knockdown drag out over who was going to get, of all things, the vacuum cleaner. So, I mean, you know, is that so, a joke? <laughs> no, it's actually <laughs> happened, you know, so I think the cousins got the vacuum cleaner. My mother wanted it instead and uh, on and on. Fortunately, it was resolved, but, you know, people, people get kind of picky and a little bit petty about certain things. And, you know, it, you have to specify, you have to be very specific about who's going to get what, especially when it comes to untitled assets, what we call chattel. Actually, I when I just got to thinking about that. Was it a Kirby? Because those are about five grand, I think, or more. Electrolux. Oh, I remember the name too. <laughs> Electrolux. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's pretty funny. A vacuum of all things. Yeah, it is. It's pretty wild. But yeah, there there's there definitely some more information that I'm sure Barbara and Phil need from you, Stephen. But um, definitely some things to think through for you. And we wish you the best in that decision. All right. Um, how about this one from Bill? Says, what happens to the money in my 401k after I retire? Do I have to roll it over to a different account or can I just leave it there? Well, I'm glad this question came up because we haven't mm. answered this one in, in quite a while mm-hmm. with 401k plans. You know, you, you've saved all your life and it's been mindless to contribute because retirement is so many years away and you're getting ready to retire. Now you're starting the next phase, which is decumulation. So you've got this money in your 401k and you have options. So you can leave it or you can move it. And I'm going to go over a series of options, Bill, to give you thoughts to consider on both sides. So I'm going to give you half a dozen reasons. So first of all, number one, if you leave your money at your company 401k, your investment selection is minimal. And secondly, you'll receive no retirement advice because they're not allowed to give you advice. And thirdly, when you are a required minimum distribution age, which is now age 72, and you're required to take a distribution out, you're responsible for that distribution to be taken on time and the right amount, or there's a 50% penalty. And by the way, you can't combine IRA uh, required distributions with 401k distributions. These are different animals. You have to take those distributions separately. And you are a liability because they still have to do the same reporting, although you no longer work there. It's a company-sponsored plan, so it's not meant to give you the same options and benefits as an IRA account. IRAs have more flexibility. And lastly, if something happens to you, now your heirs have to deal with your company instead of a custodian like TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab that typically handle IRA retirement accounts. So now to move it, you move this out into uh, from a company plan, and then you have this moved to an IRA account, which stands for an individual retirement account you have the whole universe of investment options. And now you control it. So you would work with a retirement planning specialist to guide you in all areas of retirement, not just those dollars. So in an income plan and a tax plan and a state plan. And thirdly, when you turn 72, your retirement specialist will make sure that your required distributions are handled every year and you don't have to worry about it. And remember that an IRA is much less restrictive because now you control it, not the company. Hmm. It's your plan. So you can access that money. You can change investments. You can move the account. It's more flexible. And lastly, if something happens to you, it's an easy process for your heirs. 
they'd have direct access to the custodian rather than having to go through the company. So the bottom line is the choices are much greater to move the money to an IRA account for yourself, but do not do this on your own. I've seen mistakes being made where full taxation occurs after tax money is commingled with pre-tax. So please call us or send us a message to pathfinderwealth.com. I can't think of any good reason why people would want to keep a 401k at their old employer. Um, now, right. now, people have told me a couple of things. The first thing is that, you know, they, they seem to have an emotional attachment to the company they retired from, as if the company is managing their account or has some kind of jurisdiction, you know, with the, with the results of it, which is not true. Right. The other is that some people are kind of um, afraid or, or in fear of fees and expenses if they go to a professional. Well, I, you know, I'm reading a, the biography of Red Adair, who is the uh, oil well blowout specialist. He was the guy that, that put out the oil uh, fires in the oil fields out there in the world. And, mm. uh, you know, he has saying, and the saying goes like this, if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, try hiring an amateur. That's true. So, it? you know, if, if you're going to manage it yourself or you're hoping the, camp, the company is managing it for you, you know, you really hired a man, you know, a, uh, an amateur to do that for you. So, you know, it's just important to really hire the people to give you the right advice. That's right. Well, mm-hmm. it's like I said, too, that you're not going to get advice if you leave it at a 401k because they're not allowed to. And no, uh, they're not fiduciaries. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more to retirement planning than just those investments. It's taking into account with, with people living the life, the long lives that they are. Um, all areas have to be looked at. So you have to seek out a professional. Mm-hmm. Very good question, Bill. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen, Marie, and Hank, all four of you for today's questions on this episode of the Retirement Pathfinder. If anything is on your mind, please send it in to us. You can do so via the website, pathfinderwealth.com, or you can call Barbara and Phil directly over at Pathfinder Wealth Management at 815-399-9806. And a big thanks to everyone that's been listening to the show, everyone that's sent in giving us feedback. We do appreciate it. We do thank you for all the support and uh, we hope to keep growing. So share the show with somebody that you know and somebody that might want to learn more about financial and retirement planning. Barbara and Phil, thanks for the time today. As always, some great information and look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, thanks. great to be here. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.